Come be a part of the Tea Party with your host, Dr. Ed Holliday. Hear the voices of liberty speaking all across America. Doc Holliday provides thought-provoking interviews and commentary about the issues and actions that are afflicting this country and what we need to do to get America back on track. Get fired up. Get inspired. Get on board Doc Holliday's Tea Party right now. It's only a click away. Welcome back. You're listening to Doc Holiday once again. I'm your host for Doc Holiday's Tea Party. You're listening to us on webtalkradio.net. That's webtalkradio.net. We're right here past the middle of March. Time is moving on. And I'm listening to you. I hear you. I like what you got to say. You can write to me at radio at teaparty.ms. That's radio at teaparty.ms. Let me know how you feel. Let me know what's going on on this show, how you're listening, because I want to hear about it, you're, and I appreciate what you're saying. And we're getting right into the middle of the, the nuts and bolts of the Tea Party movement because we're getting ready and geared up for 2012. What you hear on this show is things that you won't hear anywhere else and the commentary that you won't get anywhere else. So thank you for listening the Doc Holiday's Tea Party. Now, this week's show is going to be, once again, an exciting, packed show. We're going to hit the news items. A couple of things we're going to hit today is the NPR incident with the executive who was resigned or fired or forced out, whatever you want to call it, and what happened in that situation. We're going to talk about Japan and the tragedy of the earthquake and the tsunami, what it means to you, what it means to America, what it means to the Tea Party movement. It does have consequences. We'll be talking about that coming up in the news section. Now, we're going to continue with this week's show on our continuing look at potential presidential candidates that are jockeying for position in the nomination for the Republican Party. And this week, we're going to be talking about Newt Gingrich. Newt Gingrich. So you want to be sure to stay tuned. We'll be getting to the subject of Newt and his possible run for the presidency in just a few moments. So get ready for that. Now, I'm going to tell you on this week, we got the Rock of Liberty speech. And you know, every week we have a Rock of Liberty speech. Sometimes it's fast. Sometimes it's slow. Sometimes it's loud. Sometimes it's quiet. Sometimes it's... uh, we don't know what to call it, but it's always something that's going to be exciting, something that's different, and this week is no exception. We're going to be talking about what does the phrase whistling past the graveyard mean, and not only are we going to be talking about it, I'm going to tell you a true story that just really captures that whole phrase. So listen to that, and we have got one show packed in, and before we get started, let me just remind you that you can go to Tea Party. .ms. That's www.teaparty.ms. You can pick up my book, Walk With Me, A Patriot's Guide from the Boston Tea Party to Today's Tea Party Revolution. we got a lot of new listeners. Some of you haven't uh, heard about that book. Some of you haven't seen it. Go to the website, check it out, get that book. And also, look at the banners on the, the banner on the Doc Holiday's Tea Party or the banner at my website, www.teaparty.ms. And click on to the Tea Party Review. You go to the Tea Party Review, the best new magazine in the nation, talking about you and me and what we're doing in the Tea Party. It's a great magazine from coast to coast. You have exciting stories. Got a great editor in the past. You can go back in the archives and listen to Dr. Steve Allen as we interviewed him just when they were getting ready to crank up this new magazine. 
The first issue's been out. The second issue's coming out now. And wow, it is an exciting piece of literature. And it makes us, it puts us on a map because the Tea Party movement has got its own publication. We're not going to all agree, but we have a place to come, sort of battle it out. We got a place that we can let you know what's going on. If you're in Minnesota, you know what's going on in Florida. If you're in Connecticut, you know what's going on in Arizona. If you're in Alaska, you can know what's going on in uh, Maine. It's just that simple. It's a great magazine. It's exciting to be a part of it. I had an article in the very first inaugural issue, and it's just exciting to be a part of what's going on in this Tea Party movement. One of the best things that's going on is the Tea Party Review. So go to the banner, click on it, and go check it out. Now, let's get right to the news. As you know, a couple weeks ago, NPR, National Public Radio, had an executive who was um, taken out for lunch or taken out to meet a couple of guys who, who were said they were representing a possible $5 million donation and uh, from the Middle East, uh, from the, somewhere in the Middle East. And it, during that interview, uh, they, they, as they were presenting, they were running a recorder. And then they took that information and uh, and sure enough, the the NPR executive said some things that were very biased against uh, against you and me in the Tea Party movement. He said some things very biased against conservatives. And as being a part of the National Public Radio, he was dismissed or resigned or whatever you want to say. He he left his position. Now some say he was going to be leaving soon anyway. But the most important thing that I want to say is that Tea Party movement needs to take the high road. Yes, the executive did some things that he shouldn't have. He said some things that uh, I didn't like to hear, you didn't like to hear. But I'm, I'm a little concerned about people who go out and we do these, uh, these uh, ambush interviews. Now, there may be a rare case for some good investigative reporting and that things can be done on the up and up and I'm not sure when you get this together if it's all done on up and up. In fact, I know it's not all done on up and up because no other than Glenn Beck and his news organization called The Blaze. And you can go to his site on the web called theblaze.com. And you can there on that, uh, in, in that website, they, they talk about how this is done with a lot of heavy editing of what hit the news first. And that's just, you just can't clip and cut, clip and cut, and get your message out. And I agree. The executive did and said some things. I believe Ron Schiller, he's, and he's gone now. But I don't like the ambush, uh, the ambush journalism. Is that journalism? Is it good journalism? I don't believe so. And you, like we said before, the Tea Party movement needs to take the high road. Listen, when we go out and we have our rallies, when the Tea Party movement comes together, what happens at our rallies? What distinguishes us from the socialist and the communist and all those who gather under the name of the liberal umbrella name, whatever you want to call them? When they have a rally, what's the difference? Number one, not as many people show up. Number two, when they leave, all their junk is laying around. They just leave it there. They make a mess. It, when the T 
Tea Party movement comes together and we have a rally, we leave the place clean, we're responsible, we pick up after ourselves. We don't leave $7.5 million worth of damage at the state capitol in Wisconsin. No siree. We get out there and we get our freedom of speech, we make our voice known, but we clean up after ourselves. And I'm glad from coast to coast where we have Tea Party movements, it's responsible citizens practicing their right to, uh, to come before a government and to go, come out and do freedom of speech. And we practice that. And at the same time, when we leave, we leave a place better and cleaner than when we got there. We've seen it time after time in place after place with small crowds and big crowds. And that's one of our calling cards of the Tea Party movement. We take care of things. We pick up after ourselves. And we're proud of that fact. And you're proud of that fact. And we need to take the high road. That's what people recognize, their high road. And I don't like the ambush journalism like happened with the NPR executive. I'm sorry, even though it, it did prove a point. We all knew that point anyway. We knew the NPR was biased and liberal. But now we got this ambush journalism. I just, it, it just it gets to be too much. Like I said, there are some rare times and rare places done effectively then there's a, we can see that. But now, what happened there is just, it was too much editing. You go to The Blaze, and for all people, a lot of liberal news groups said The Blaze, Glenn Beck's news gathering service, said that they did a great job talking about this piece, and it was just over-edited, and it was not done in a good journalistic manner. Now, let's move right on to uh, Japan. Wow, wow, wow. Man, that is a tragedy, uh, just a double whammy. You had a, a, one of the worst earthquakes on record, and then the tsunami that came in just devastated, absolutely devastated so many towns right there in Japan. And we've, we're, you've seen the wreckage, you've seen the video, you've seen the pictures just like I have. And it's something that's very, very disturbing and the fact that it's happened, and, and if the nuclear meltdowns, well, the, the core melting and the rods and the, the potential for uh, nuclear disaster, even though it is a nuclear disaster, but thank goodness at this point we haven't seen uh, on a large scale people being involved with uh, radiation. But I am telling you that it is affecting the whole, the whole gamut of the world. Now, how does that all come about and what does it mean for the Tea Party? Well, it means a lot, a lot. To me, the most important nugget that we can get out of this uh, tragedy in Japan is the fact that Japan is in a financial precarious situation. Japan has borrowed more, printed money, <clears throat> that, that even more than the United States. I believe they're like at almost 200% of GDP, meaning that uh, they owe a whole lot more than they have. And the, where, where, where does that take America? You know where it takes us. You know where it takes us. We are sitting on the edge of a disaster. If America has something like what hit Japan in the same devastation, and it can happen. It can be through terrorism. It can through, be through nature. But it can happen. And when that does, are we in a financial position 
to take care of that. Further and further down, we're going into debt, and it makes it harder to climb out. And if we have a disaster similar to what happened in Japan, what are we going to do? Just like Japan now, they have uh, hundreds of billions of dollars in U.S. bonds. They're going to have to rebuild. Does that mean they're going to cash in their bonds? Well, they're probably going to have to. And who's going to buy those bonds? Who's going to buy America's bonds when Japan cashes in? Well, those are the things that scare me because we can't just keep printing money. And, but exactly, that is exactly what Japan has done in the last couple of decades, trying to get its moribund economy back on track to where it was in the 80s. They, it's been two decades that have been lost in Japan as far as uh, the stock market is concerned and capitalism. Is America going to be going down the same road? Actually, we're going down the same road. How can we turn it around? Well, that's to me the most important thing that we as Americans can learn from what's happened in Japan. This is a wake-up call to not only you and me, but people in Congress. Now, I'm, I'm glad to hear people like Senator uh, Rand Paul, people, uh, some of the new freshmen in the House like Alan West and others, Michelle Bachman, they are standing up and they're saying we've got to get our fiscal house in order. And even, even the old line Republicans who know how things are done, it doesn't seem like much is being changed. These continuing resolutions are driving the Tea Party people like you and me crazy. We say we sent new people up there, new blood up there to get a job done. And the old guard is moving very slowly. The Democrats, of course, aren't moving at all. And you can't tell me, even a 3.5 trillion, that's 3.5 thousand billion dollars, that you can't find $6 billion, more than $6 billion to cut. Unbelievable. We've elected these people and they're not doing their job up there. And we've got to use this uh, tragedy in Japan to help everyone understand that America's just one step away from disaster, financial disaster that we won't be able to crawl out of. It could be nature, it could be terrorism, and that is something that our leaders, our elected leaders, if they don't understand, all I can say is now, get in gear for 2012. We've got to get rid of this old guard up there that's just polluting the, the notion that we have got to change. I don't think they heard it. You can hit somebody over the head of a two-by-four, politically speaking, hit them over the head of a two-by-four, two and, and they say, oh, yeah, I get the message. They did not get it. Look at what they're doing. They, the Democrats didn't even have a budget last year. For a whole year, we're spending trillions of dollars without a budget. And now, as the Republicans come in charge of the House, they say, we're going to get a budget in line, and then the Democrats drag their feet. Where's the White House? Where's President Obama? Can he not understand what disaster is? Can he not understand that what we're doing it's going to push America further and further along. Uh, it's like a, it's, we're going out on a limb, and someday if that limb cracks and breaks, we're going to fall off without a safety net. So that's what I get out of Japan. Now, they will have to rebuild, and America does need to help in the rebuilding process. 
that Japan has had a tragedy. I don't know what all of that it will entail, but I know this rebuilding process is going to be long, just like we've seen in Katrina down on the coast. It doesn't happen in a year or two. It's a decade-long process, and we need to help out where we can. Japan is a great ally. It's something that uh, it's a country and a people who've been very much involved in the financial institutions around the world, and that's what capitalism is built on. And since World War II, there's never been a worst, uh, a worst disaster that's hit Japan. And we are their friends. We need to be there helping them out. We got uh, groups right now talking about what's going on over there in Japan, sending aid. Our government, of course, is helping out. But I'm telling you, the most important thing is to realize, to realize that we in America have got to wake up. We've got to wake up and realize that if we don't get people, we've got new blood in Congress, and even they are having frustrations trying to get this same old, same old, this same old system, the very people who got us into this mess, they're still leading us and playing around, ditter-dattering like kids in a sandbox. Just ditter, ditter-dattering. It's like Humpty Dumpty politicians and Humpty Dumpty sitting on a wall. I tell you what, you knocked a yolk out of that egg and it's nothing but a joke. And we got to get up there in Washington and make sure that the new Tea Party movement is growing and people are saying, we're tired of it. We're not going to take it anymore. Get out of the way or lead. That's what we need to say. Lead or get out of the way and get some of these new GOP freshmen up in there and say, we're going to do it differently because what you did before did not work. And if you don't change, it's time to get out of leadership. I'm talking about Democrats and Republicans. And now, before we get to our presidential series and Newt Gingrich and how he might win the nomination, let me first uh, tell you thank you for listening to Doc Holliday's Tea Party. You're listening to us right here on webtalkradio.net. That's webtalkradio.net. And while I'm talking to you, let me remind you, you go back to last week's show and we talked about Herman Cain. And some of you have mentioned now, not only who was Herman Cain, some of you knew that, but when I said that he was for the fair tax, you said, what is the fair tax? And that's a fair question. And uh, what I'm going to do is it's sometime in the next two or three weeks, so listen to the show, we're going to get Jim Bennett, the state co-director of the fair tax uh, organization, and for the state of New Jersey, all the way in the state of New Jersey, we're going to get him on the show, and we're going to talk about the fair tax and what it is. So uh, be listening in the next two or three weeks. We'll get him on the show, and we'll talk about the fair tax. Now, uh, let me also remind you, in the archives, we got other, uh, the other people we've talked about, the possible presidential candidates. We've talked about Sarah Palin. We've talked about Herman Cain. And this week, of course, we're going to be talking about Newt Gingrich. So... Listen up. Here we go. Newt Gingrich. How does he win the Republican nomination? Can he win the Republican nomination? Well, as you know, Newt Gingrich has been around several times. He has been heavy in the, uh, politics and uh, being a Speaker of the House. He was there and helped engineer the takeover uh, of the Republicans in 1994 as he became the Speaker of the House. And then as he got the leadership role, he went in like a bulldog. And he said some things that may have been a little bit too blunt for others. And the media really made him out to be the mean old uh, wicked person. 
and they really put a lot of baggage on him. Now, Newt did himself no good in some instances as he was learning the ropes of leadership, and he became uh, an item that the, the Clinton folks used as the press helped personify him as a person that uh, should, should cause the Democrats to get out and vote. And that's what they did in 1996, and they reelected Bill Clinton. But Newt Gingrich did a lot of good things as Speaker of the House, and he he uh, he sort of molded his leadership. Now, was he the best speaker we ever had? Uh, probably not. But at the same time, he brought in new ideals and some intelligence that that we had not seen in uh, many years in the conservative movement. And as he did. He got people to think, and not only that, he worked with the Clinton White House, and we had our best uh, budget years as far as the deficit goes than we've uh, had in decades, and he really worked hard in trying to get the deficit down, and he did, and of course, we had a, a good economy, and so many people, of course, they always give whoever's in the White House uh, the praise for the economy, but it was, it was not Clinton who... Who, who wanted to reduce the deficit. He came kicking and screaming in uh, the, the race for presidential politics and getting reelected. Uh, that was the Republican Congress that held his feet to the fire, and I think that's one reason we had a great economy in the 1990s. Now, Newt Gingrich, was he the mastermind of that economy? Probably not the mastermind, but he worked to get the economy going. So those are some, some things that Newt Gingrich brings with his experience as he gets ready for a potential run. We don't know he's running. We do know he's got an exploratory committee. And I will say that, yes, I've met Newt Gingrich, and it wasn't a, a long conversation, but I've met him. And you look somebody in the eye, you know if they got what it takes to be president. Newt has what it takes. The trouble he's going to have is can he communicate that to the American people in a way that, number one, the Republican Party, will they nominate him? And they will not nominate Newt Gingrich unless they see the fire in his eye and know that he can whip President Obama in a one-on-one -on -one race. They've got to see that, and you've got to know, if you're going to vote for Newt Gingrich, you've got to know that he can beat President Obama in the election in 2012. So that's where he's got his work cut out for him. Now, if you were running for president, if you were running for president, and I'm helping you out, we got Newt Gingrich as one of our opponents. What are his advantages and disadvantages? I've talked about his advantages. He's uh, experienced. He's been Speaker of the House. He knows how Washington runs. He knows how it works. He knows a lot of money, folks. And he will be able to raise a good uh, supply of money to run for president. Now, when you look at uh, all his advantages, he is very brilliant. He is a smart person. He drives the liberals crazy in a lot of ways. <clears throat> and then since he's been out of government, he's put together a group called American Solutions, and that has uh, been a think tank of what we need to do to solve America's problems. And there's, you can like him or love him, or you can hate him. But you got to know that Newt Gingrich has got a brilliant mind when it comes to public policy. Not every idea will be great. Nobody is perfect. Nobody's going to have great ideas all the time. But you get, 
you get the initiative going. And that's what Newt has done in many cases, got the initiative going on how to think through how government should do things. Now, the, the advantages, if you get into a debate with uh, Newt, you, you ask him about details. He's a policy wonk, uh, just like Bill Clinton is a policy wonk. Now, he will get into details and tell you how to get things done, but a lot of times where he gets in trouble is where he says things and he communicates things like sticking his foot in his mouth. Now, that's some of the disadvantages in Newt Gingrich. What you got uh, with Newt is uh, you got someone who is brilliant and smart, but sometimes he runs his mouth longer than he should and he'll say something that'll get him caught. And when I say get him caught, I mean, he'll say something that, that the, the liberals love to jump on, and then they jump on it, and they beat him over the head with it, just like they did back in the 1990s, and that, that leaves him looking uh, battered and bruised. Now, if you're running against Newt Gingrich, and he's in the Republican uh, nomination, if he's running for the Republican nomination, you got to get him engaged, you got to get him talking, you got to get him speaking about a lot of things and see where the passion is in his eyes. He speaks with passion on a few occasions. He, he loves politics. But when you see him speaking about taxing and the economy, when you see him speaking about foreign policy, these are things that he's well experienced in. And he knows how to address the concerns, and you can see that passion in his eye. Can he beat President Obama in 2012? That is a big question. All the polling shows he can't. Polling's don't, polling doesn't mean anything. doesn't mean diddly now. Because what America wants to see is somebody with some passion and some fire and somebody that will take the reins of leadership and actually be a leader. Now, Newt has the potential to do that. He also has the potential of scaring folks. And that's because of the way the liberal, liberal media has presented him. But I like Newt Gingrich, and I want to see him get in the race because I believe he brings ideas to the table. He brings ideas, and he brings a passion that conservative movement needs, and I believe he's grounded well into the conservative movement. And that is one reason uh, we're talking about Newt uh, this week because he is not only a potential candidate, he has already started an exploratory committee, as many of you know, to, to run for the presidency. We'll find out here in just a few weeks about if he's going to jump in the race or not. So that's our take on Newt Gingrich. Uh, email me at radio at tparty.ms. That's radio at tparty.ms. If you've got uh, some takes on Newt that you want us to know, and we'll share those and let you know about them. Now, next week, we'll continue on with the presidential series, but we'll also... Uh, be leading up right now to the Rock of Liberty speech. And I just want to remind everybody that the Rock of Liberty speech, we do it a little differently every week. And this week is no exception. We're going to be talking about what does the phrase whistling past the graveyard mean? Well, you hear that. In fact, I heard that uh, Governor Haley Barber when I was at the CPAC meeting a couple months ago uh, at the Conservative uh, Action PAC Committee. Up there, there were several thousand people. Haley Barber was speaking to the conservatives, and he said, he's talking about you and me, talking about the Tea Party movement. He said, well, the left says that the Republicans have a problem with the Tea Party. 
And he said, that's just the, that's just the left whistling past the graveyard. And you know what? He's right. Number one, I'm glad Haley Barber tipped his hat to the Tea Party movement. And he needs to. And, and the left loves to say, look, the Republicans got a problem over there. Look at all those uh, the unruly freshmen. They won't go along with the program. <laughs> well, yes, <laughs> that's what we sent them up there for. We don't want them to keep doing what you're doing up there. Evidently, they they got to try something else because you're just getting us further in debt and the economy is not going anywhere. Yes, we sent some new blood to Washington. And that's one reason why when we get together with the uh, uh, the new leaders in Congress, the new freshmen in the Senate and, and the House, that we expect some things to go differently. Now, the phrase whistling past the graveyard. Well, of course, you know, it means there's, there's a fear sometime when you go by a graveyard, especially at night. And whistling means you're trying to act like you're not scared, but you really are. So, the phrase, let me tell you a story about that phrase that's a true story. And this is, comes from my father. My father grew up in a rural community, and they, the, the houses were spread out far away, and there was a graveyard not too far Well, It was about a half a mile from his house. And uh, this is in the 1940s, early 1940s. And he had to go to basketball practice at high school, and then he had to walk back by himself through the dark. Now, this is back, uh, they had no electricity before World War II in uh, the section of the country he lived in, in uh, North Mississippi. Uh, and he would walk back, and it would be dark. And he would pretty much have to stay between the ditches on the old dirt road to get home. But they always had to go by this graveyard, and his home place is still there. Nobody lives in it now, but he grew up there in that home place. And that graveyard is still there. The church is there. My grandfather's buried in that graveyard. My grandmother's buried in that graveyard. And several of my uncles and aunts. So what, uh, what, what do you do at night when you're going by a graveyard? Well, that's what my dad had done that many times. But this one particular night, there was no moon. Usually you can see something. He said you couldn't see your hand in front of your face. It was so dark. And he was getting close to that graveyard, and he's thinking about, he's thinking about, <laughs> and wonder if there ain't ghosts out there. You know how your mind can wonder. And it was black dark, and he's getting close to the graveyard, and he got up to the graveyard, and he wasn't real happy about that. And he said he, he wasn't whistling at the time, but his ears heard something. Besides all the crickets and all the night uh, creatures, and uh, far off, uh, you had the whippoorwills and, and uh, all kind of creatures out in the woods. And he was walking past that graveyard, that little old church. And, and he said he heard some something like footsteps coming. And he said they weren't just walking. They weren't just, it, were, it was running hard. They were pounding the dirt. And he could hear them just coming, 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 coming faster and faster. And... It was from a distance, and he felt like somebody was going to run and knock him down and just, just clean his platter. And he was scared, and it was dark. He couldn't see anything, and his heart was just a, just a beating, just a pumping. And, and, and he said that the sound got closer and closer, and it was black dark, and he stood there frozen, just frozen, didn't know what to do. 
and 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 the sound got closer and closer, and then all of a sudden, boom! Something hit his chest. He thought he was a dead man. He thought he was dead as a doornail. And you know what it was? It was his black dog named Sam. He came running and he started licking his face. But he said he said he about had a heart attack. His heart stopped beating. But Sam had been running on that old dirt road at a high speed. And he, he got to my father and, and his front paws hit his chest. And that's when my dad thought he was dead. Uh, but that's when you... You talk about fear, you talk about whistling past the graveyard. Now that, the reason I tell you this story in a Rock of Liberty speech is this. Because the left is, like Governor Haley Barber said, he got it right when he said, the left is just whistling past the graveyard when they talk about the Tea Party movement upsetting the Republicans. Because they know the Tea Party movement is growing and they're aimed at the Democrats. We knocked them out of the leadership of the House of Representatives and in 2010 and 2012. As we grow, as we grow, we threaten the Senate and the White House in the Democratic uh, uh, positions that the Democrats have in there now. So what I'm telling you is the left, when they talk about the Tea Party messing up the Republicans, and I, we do need to change the Republicans, but if they are whistling past the graveyard because they can, they can smell us and they, can, they may not see us just like it's in the dark and they're trying to whistle, trying to say things, trying to throw us off track because they know we're coming right after them. We are coming after the far left that's in control of the Democratic Party and you and me working together. We're going to get the job done in 2012. And that's the Rock of Liberty speech for this week. I'm glad you're listening to us. Come back next week. We've got another show leading into the presidential uh, politics series. we got coming up some uh, a great interview, like I said. I don't know if it'll be next week or sometime next couple of weeks with Jim Bennett about the fair tax. So listen on the next week. Listen to the show. I'm glad you're here. I'm listening to you. I hear you. I respect you. I get what you're saying. And we're putting it on the air. And every week we're encouraging you. So tell your friends about Doc Holliday's Tea Party. Tell them to click on every week as the audience grows, as the movement grows. We're getting out there and we're getting the job done. Thank you. I'll see you next week. God bless you. Thanks for joining us today, and remember to listen again next week for another edition of Doc Holliday's Tea Party. You can order Ed's book, Walk With Me, A Patriot's Guide from the Boston Tea Party to Today's Tea Party Revolution by clicking on the book cover right in front of you on the screen. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next week.